Kumbamba. It's Zach Langley Chichi. I'm so popular. Tonight we are discussing women, ladies, girls, feminism, along with fast benders. I think I said that okay. <laughs> Martha yes. from 1974, uh, Jesse Ware's album What's Your Pleasure from last year, and Alexander McQueen's Highland Rape with a guest I'm so fucking excited to have on. Mm-hmm. Who are you? I'm a Twitter user, Lindsay Dystopian Chilies. Hi, Dystopian Chilies. Hi. AKA Lindsay, what are you yes. doing? I am just living my life, you know. I'm sitting here drinking some box wine. Um, when I go home, I'm going to dye some jeans for fun. You know, I'm just being a beautiful, perfect young woman. Yeah, being a girl. And yeah. as a girl, why do you follow me? I follow you because, um, well, a lot of our Twitter sphere all follows each other. But I like I like that you have style and personality. I like meeting like LGBT people who aren't drinking the lid juice at all. <laughs> um, so it's always refreshing and, and exciting. And so I had to follow. I couldn't resist. I know for a fact that I followed you first, and it's because yes. I saw that post. It was a screenshot from the Red Scare Reddit. Or, like, oh, no, it's like oh an offshoot God. of the Red Scare yes. Reddit, right? Yeah, yes. like, oh, I don't know what it's called, but just, like, they, all these gross guys who've never had sex in their lives post pictures of Red Scare listening, like, hot girls who listen to Red Scare. <laughs> and uh, my friend sent me a screenshot. They'd taken, like, like 15 of my kind of... Uh, suggestive Twitter pics and compiled them into this Reddit uh, thread. So I gained way too many followers from that, but you know. <laughs> I was one of them. But I was good, the... so it's fine. Yeah, you look great. I wasn't the caption. <laughs> I was like, I can't believe a black girl listens to Red Scare. Yes, yes. They're like the only black girl who listens to Red Scare. I'm like, I actually don't know any other black girls who listen to it, so that that might be true. I mean, in all reality, I can't name another one. I can't. Not up, no, not off the top of my head, no. No. But I brought you on the show because you are one of my favorite glimmering posters, and along with Yana, who came on the show a few weeks I ago. I love Yana. Huge I, Yana fan. Yeah, big Yana stan here. Me too. Yes. And along with her, I see like your kind of posting as like the avant-garde era of face-docked girls who post. <laughs> <laughs> and I love everything you have to say about feminism, about women, about reality, and I need your voice on my show. So I've dragged you on tonight. Thanks for coming. Absolutely. It's truly, truly a pleasure. Like, I'm always dying to talk about this stuff, but I don't want to be, like, annoying. Like, I, I limit what I tweet because I don't want to be... I hate all those accounts where they just, like, nonstop tweeting about some like abstract social thing like nonstop and the tweets don't make any sense and it's really like uh it's really uncomfortable so I don't ever want to be like that Mm -hmm. but uh sometimes you know sometimes you see things online or see the way your girlfriends are talking in reality in real life and uh, I just can't I can't take it (laughs) I can't handle it sometimes no I feel you like for me I never, like, set out to be, like, a poster or, like, um, mm-hmm. like a public opinion individual or, like, an, yeah. like I that was never the goal. Like, Twitter has always been, like, my gay little diary. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the people who post best are ones who spend most of their time 
revealing fun little shady details about the disasters of their life. And then yeah. from those disasters, they can come up with the hot takes. Right. Yeah, I like I like people I like accounts where they're like, you know, transparent about who they are. They clearly have a sense of humor uh, about mm-hmm. whatever whatever it is that they're talking about. It could be sociopolitical or or whatever else. Um, but it it makes the it doesn't make the nature of those sorts of tweets so severe, and it, and it makes them feel like more of a real person than like all these accounts who like all day long they're tweeting these thirty two tweet threads about why being trad is just some oligarchical blah 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 like all these words that don't make any sense together um it, none it's, of it it's, exists yeah like, <laughs> like 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 and you know none of these people ever show their i don't know it's just it's so impersonal when they talk that way and mm-hmm. i i always want to avoid that because when i do feel so inspired to tweet whatever about womanhood and feminism it's because i am like truly convicted by it and and i live my life based on those things that i just tweeted like and that's why it means so much to me because i i feel like i'm proof that the way that i'm speaking actually works versus the mainstream feminist conversations yeah absolutely like i think everyone is very easily posed to shit on you know whatever easy target lib or like a trump supporter like they all kind of are like the same vague target for like people in our twitter sphere where it's like very easy to politically like pick on like those vague archetypes but i think there's also like a sinister menace in like the anonymous accounts yeah no details about their actual beings and like yeah it makes it so that like their transcribed existence is like merely their takes on what's trad and like what's based and it yeah i think it's really evil <laughs> and you can like you can tell when like their ego starts to overwhelm their because t- every once in a while everybody's gonna have good takes sometimes but every once in a while um I feel like I can tell when it's shifted a little bit because they seem like they're just tweeting that stuff to keep feeding their e- like anybody. One of the beauty, one of the beautiful things about the internet is um, if you share anything, somebody's gonna like it, even if they don't understand it. They're gonna like try to make themselves think they understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And as time goes on, these like anonymous accounts who all they tweet is political stuff they just get more and more incoherent and and harder to relate to and it's just it's just an ego trip for these people and like in reality who don't who don't have any friends or prospects or whatever (laughs) um and they it's easy to especially now it's easy to hide behind the internet um yeah so i i'm i'm too cool for that so i'm not gonna let that happen to me yeah, no doubt about it. Say. Way too cool for that. I feel yes. the same way. Yes. And it's like there's always these new sort of like characters and guises popping up that you can easily slip behind that seem as if they're not just a big block to cower behind. And it's like the same thing with all of these people who go get into woke posting or whatever, or like mm-hmm. based posting or all of that. It's just like another little cowl to put on so you don't mm-hmm. have to face the reality that you're unattractive and boring (laughs) exactly yes and then to me it gets to the point like it gets to the point where i I just like 
ask myself, I'll read these ridiculous tweets that don't mean anything because it's just word salad. And I get through reading it and I'm like, honestly, who, who cares? Like, who cares? Like, I guess all this stuff matters on a certain scale, but like dedicating your free time to tweeting about it all day, every day. Um, I don't, none of this, none of this is that serious to me. <laughs> it's like worth this like emotional expenditure, this time investment to tweet a bunch of stuff that doesn't even make sense. Uh, you're just like angry all the time. And um, yeah, I just every- love this nine minute dig we've done at like comp bot. <laughs> like- <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's like, dude, you need to, you need to go have a drink. Like, calm down <laughs> get your life together yeah, go to church sunrise and just chill out go to church with your mom or do whatever like anything but be on here because it's clearly not going well for you no for all this time <laughs> no exactly and i'm so overjoyed that you share this sentiment with me because yes. I, I think it's a good segue into our big topic tonight which is women and Yay! <laughs> obviously women is an experience <laughs> that's very it, close to me. <laughs> truly, yeah, yeah. I truly an experience. I think that I've always been obsessed with like femininity, as like all gay men are. Even mm-hmm. the mask like larpers who mm-hmm. go to the gym and have a beard, like yeah, they yeah. know too, like the innate appeal of femininity. And I mostly believe it's because I'm obsessed with my mom. And my dad, like, wasn't around so much until I was, like, 10. So I feel like I've always just been, like, attracted to her mystique. But, like, I also, growing up, like, kind of leaned into feminism really hard when I was, like, 14. I loved, like, Jessica Valenti-era feminism. (laughs) I read the purity myth. Like, I religiously read feministing. I read Salon. When I was in college, I was the copy editor of a feminist magazine. And uh, all of this was, like, my mishandled approach to figuring out, like, why I am so enchanted by the realm of women and why I'm so obsessed Mm -hmm. with them. And it wasn't until I started cross-dressing and men started hating on me that it all clicked into place. Yeah. Absolutely. Totally. My, my my sort of I wish I would have had a more like organic relationship with uh feminism like from the from the time I kind of met feminism to now but you know I was I was indoctrinated by Tumblr I didn't discover the concept of feminism not really until late high school um and I was just on 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 Tumblr all the time and then um I became like really depressed probably as a result of being on tumblr so much but it just exacerbated my use of tumblr and it just it just it created all these um conflicts within my own identity because you know all the social justice warrior discourse stuff um it would frame it like frame the conversations like it was trying to empower you but really the 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 language or at least the message the underlying message was still one of oppression and lack and weakness and um i was very confused about about all those things you know i thought i was being empowered by talking about our plight as women um 
but it wasn't until two, three years ago that I was kind of like, oh no, women are kind of, <laughs> kind of the shit a little bit. <laughs> women kind of <laughs> go off. Like once we realize a lot of those kind of shackles that we put on ourselves socially, especially nowadays, um, we're a lot cooler than we give ourselves credit for. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. Because when I was on my feminist journey, it ended with me being extremely disenfranchised with it and thinking it was yeah. one of the worst things that's ever happened. And <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. I thought it was a literal scourge on the earth for like three years. And I, I honestly think it is because of that Tumblr mindset, which I was also deeply entrenched in, mm-hmm. where you are instructed by this bizarre like cyber horde of like bees that just come (laughs) with these insidious evil ways of thinking in which every single act is one of oppression and it's like this terrible rabbit hole where the further you like lean in to try to like overcome your oppression and become empowered like the weaker and smaller you make yourself until like you don't exist except for like as a little nest of hornet bites of all of these extreme pains of all of this like and i also hate the the use of the word trauma um just like a lot of the like discourse language it's just overused and there's usually better words to describe what you're trying to say um Mm -hmm. but you know all these people and, and it's not just women but all these people will take these quote-unquote traumas or just normal unsavory things that happen to everybody um and use that as their reason why um the reason why they well they can't do anything in life or um why it's okay to be like paralyzed in fear over this um, hypothetical thing that might happen to you because you're black or because you're a girl or whatever else and it's very um, well it's very depressing and demoralizing <laughs> and it's so it's so interesting to me how um, so many people can get so easily roped into that I'll just talk about you know being empowered and and uh being strong in your identity but i notice especially with women women tend to not i never ever see women like these feminist discourse girls on the internet i never see them talking about what is empowering about being a woman like what do they love about being a woman Mm -hmm. i've never ever seen any girl say that you know it's always about that that lack of identity makes it easier for them to um, identify with being hurt so much, um, and it's 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 really cheap and unfair and and like uh, belittling to yourself and to other women to think that way. Right, and it's all from a really creepy capitalist urge. I think I think that most of this it like, comes like from top down, basically where it is more ideal for a a corporate state to have like a league of young women and other like oppressed people, like Mm -hmm. for them to be so catatonic and locked onto the internet and 
constantly creating wild new diseases that don't exist and mental illnesses (laughs) that they don't have so that they can just like stay in their house and like jack off and like watch netflix until they die from obesity yes that yeah yeah it's 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 shameful and I, i what it it all makes me like angry but more so than anything it it really breaks my heart because Mm -hmm. i i see myself as one of these people like i used to be like these girls who still do this um and it took a lot of like confronting myself and being honest with myself uh, enough to get to the point where i i could actually feel empowered like i had to confront all those those things that i was using as excuses to keep myself stuck or like, um, you know, just like everybody has all these bad things that happen in their life and uh, struggle with their identity and all these, all these external things that happen to you. Um, But there's, there's literally nothing that you can do about it. Uh, Like the external world, all you can do is control yourself and have any power over who you are and how you choose to live your life and how you frame your world. And I had to do that because I was just tired of being miserable. It was just getting boring. Mm -hmm. And, and I see all these girls who are just like, Oh, well, I can't get an Uber because, well, there's all these times in, in the past where girls have been raped if they get, go home with an Uber. I'm like, well, what about all the times that you've gone home with an Uber? And that's never happened to you. Like, I, I don't understand why you're framing your the entirety of your existence based on what may or may not happen based off of risk. And there's risk to, there's risk to everything that happens in life. And um, an empowered woman to me doesn't, uh, doesn't let the potential for badness, uh, doesn't let that stop her. Um, and those are the kind of, those are the women that I respect who like, they don't, they don't give a shit about anything, but you know, making their, making their life happen, like being proud of who they are in spite of the ills of the world or whatever. Yeah, no, I was also roped into the like victim discourse where I thought like, the more horrible things I could claim about myself and, like, the more I could, like, weaponize, like, the shit that did or didn't happen to me. Um, I I thought that is, like, where I could derive power from because that's what I saw Mm. on Tumblr and, like, The Guardian for, like, five (laughs) years. Yeah. And it does take, like, a huge personal reckoning for people to get over it. And one of the most dreadful parts of the whole thing is that, like, engaging like in that kind of feminism that started like seeping in like in like 2012 or whatever Mm -hmm. it's like when you start buying into it it starts training you to be mentally and emotionally unprepared to confront yourself of guilt in any of these matters yeah and then you can not only can you um you're like emotionally mentally immature or, or or weak you also get to um blame blame things that are outside of your control for the status of your life the quality of your life um you get to say well it's because well men men do whatever like i'm walking down the street in like a mini skirt and like stripper heels and a guy looks at me and you know all, all my boobs are hanging out and a guy looks at me and oh well that's sexist that he looked at me it's like no girl like all your titties are out 
Like <laughs> anybody, anybody's going to look at you. And that's a guy who's attracted to women and he can see your body. So he wants to look like I'm, anybody's going to look at you. You can't use, you know, if, if you're going to be the type of woman who wants to dress like that, do it girl. Like, please do it. But be ready when guys are hitting on you and checking you out. Like you can't, you can't completely throw all your power away to men or to whomever else um, and never ever take responsibility for your own choices. That's not oppression. That's just you being irresponsible. Right. And I mean, like, Polly has been saying this, like, since the early 90s when mm-hmm. she was beginning to talk about, like, the campus rape yeah. discourse, like, even well before it got to the state that it has, like, in the last 10 years. And when she was talking about it, she was like, when women go out with men, like, they are accepting that there's a risk, you know? Yeah. And it's not about, like, the agency of, like, the women who do often have horrible things happen to them. Like, that's, like obvious and irreconcilable Uh but right what it's about is that like when you're a woman it's about embracing like your own power and like being able to confront that fear and like make a sublime experience out of it exactly and that's what's sexy to me is like girls who understand yeah, who understand the risk, which, like I said, there's risk in, in everything that you do, there's a risk. Mm-hmm. And um, what's sexy to me is girls who understand this, like, I even hate saying, like, power dynamic because it's just overused and it's, you know, but sure, a guy's physically stronger or whatever else, but women also have, um, like, a psychological, mental strength or... Um, uh, I'm not sure what a better word to use. It's like they have an object that they're worth holding, which is like the sex, obviously. Right, yeah. And And there's there's this this psychological thing that women do have over men um, that they can and should be using all the time. And the girls who are aware of that and use it, I I have so much respect for them because they're not afraid of their womanhood. They've they've discovered what it is and um, they're proud of it and they they own it every day even in the face of like potential potential danger because i walked past a construction site and all these guys are whistling at me if if that were me i would i would keep strutting even harder like yeah keep like keep looking i look good yeah absolutely. instead of instead of tweeting about oh my god these these men were checking me out because i was wearing like booty shorts today like if, yeah yeah they were of course they were yeah, and then the response often is, is someone will say, well, I wear it for me. I'm like, yes, that's right. You wear it for you because it makes you feel good when someone sees you and appreciates it. Yes, yes. You feel sexy and then other people validate how sexy you feel. That's 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 why we do it. Yeah, because I, I I mean, what what is like, I don't even get it. Like, if you're wearing something for <laughs> you, like, what does that mean? Like, why does it? Right. What, what, maybe yeah. it's just because I have like a really deformed, like, evil homosexual worldview and it's like anytime <laughs> i get male attention like my my heart starts to like flutter like a little bird but i love it like i <laughs> only do things for men personally like i would never think to do anything for myself it's like oh. all for it's like all oh, for yeah. my uh, self-serving oh, yeah. pleasure like because I, I love get... male attention yes me too when i get like a i got this little um 
this polka dot skirt in the mail a few weeks ago and it's long but it has a long slit in the side and it's a little form fitting and when I got it in the mail I didn't have any plans for that day but I was like I'm just gonna go uh anywhere that I think a lot of men might be yes. because I want them to see me looking good like yes. I deserved I know I look good you're gonna know I look good as soon as I step into the mall and you see me and um, we're both gonna be happy because I'm gonna be gawked at and you're gonna do the gawking and we're gonna both <laughs> love it and not speak to each other I love it no this is like exactly I, I honestly think that womanhood is uh something that can be opted into and this oh, might yeah. be a hot take and maybe some of my um more conservative leaning followers won't understand but i really truly believe that femininity and like womanliness is like a quality that anyone can walk into yes, and experience totally. and, like, i knew that to be true when i am not like a super convincing drag queen like I'm not, like, <laughs> plastic tiara or something. Like, I leave my boy brows on. Sometimes my beard pops through my yeah. makeup. Like, that foundation <laughs> from MAC is not doing all the work you think she's supposed to be doing. But, like, <laughs> I, like it's more about, like, the essence you adopt. And, like, right. when I know I'm in, like, the feminine mode and I start seeing the way that men change how they interact with me and, like, their tone, yeah. it's, like, bliss. Yeah, it's truly, like... It really is all about like, like confidence and mystery, and like not hiding who you are. But this is a quality of like reservedness that I think sexy women have. Like, I, I don't, I don't necessarily think that like women who are like super over the top and loud and blah blah blah. That's not the the sexiness that I look for. It's yeah. always just like flirtatious but hushed thing um that you know you don't have to do if you know how to rock that femininity that feminine essence um you don't have to say or do too much but any guy who you're talking to or interacting with is going to be so enchanted with you because it's about this like withholding thing that they they want to discover but you're not really letting them discover it as easily as they want to and mm -hmm. so they want to keep coming and it's you got it really is all about owning owning who you are inside and not, not giving away too much. Yeah, and every woman has to have a secret. Yeah. And yeah, mine I've is that I many. have a dick. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's not a secret for too long, so. I, uh, <laughs> I, I believe that, like, you're so right that it is about that mystery that, like, makes yeah. a woman, like, the beautiful figure of, of uh, like, femininity because it's, like, if you put everything on the table, which is fine if you want to, like, you go, girl, because there are guys that are into that. But it's, like, yeah. you're going to end up, like, looking like, um, oh, why is her name escaping me? It's going to, it's going to take us, Trisha Paytas. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's not the look we're going for. No, and, like, I'm happy for her. She seems to be having oh, yeah. a great time, but it's, like, I would love to spend a day with her. <laughs> Yeah, I would love to go to McDonald's with her, but, like, I do yeah, not, like, I don't really imagine that a lot of men, like, are attracted to her for, like, the femininity and, like, the mystique. No, it's, like, more the vulgarity. No. Yes, and she probably attracts crazy men, like, you know. That... Perverts. Yeah, <laughs> freaks, but she probably loves it, and and for her, that's her, that's her uh, 
femininity wheelhouse is like just yeah. being a little deranged but she clearly rocks that like that's who she is and she's not she's not trying to be anything but uh dress up as selena and take videos on the side of the road absolutely i want to ask what are some of your favorite things about being a girl um I think I think being a woman you're afforded a little bit more rudeness like or maybe not rudeness but perhaps just attitude and um I love that like I've always as a kid I got in trouble a lot for having too much attitude talking back too much um and when I started getting into the Tumblr woke discourse stuff um that started to fade like i just didn't feel as like sure of myself and i my personality was more apologetic than anything i just felt sorry for kind of being who i am mm-hmm. um but as i've grown into my my womanhood more uh i embrace this sort of like sassiness bad attitude kind of like making fun of people like lovingly but you know i'm I'm going to crack on you because, you know, that's just what I do. That's who I am. Um, I, I love, I love a woman with a lot of attitude and sass. Um, and really a big part of, um, womanhood that excites me a lot. is really clothes and fashion and, um, how it just makes me appreciate my body a lot more. Um, Mm -hmm. and how I can look powerful and feminine and in like a variety of ways. Um, and I just like that, that guys don't know what to do <laughs> around me. They're just so <laughs> overwhelmed. I love that. Yeah. Cause the evil quality of women is like the best thing that you can do as a girl. It's like when you know you have it and you know, you can do something with it. That is when you get to have the time of your life. Yeah. And like I a won. A lucky man gets to too. Like you won. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm the winner here. I'm totally in control. I know you're six, four and I'm five, five, but I'm, I'm in control of the situation. Oh yeah. And you love it. it. You love that I'm in control. <laughs> And, you know, even, like, me, who I consider myself to be pretty submissive at the end of the day, it's, like, I still know that no matter how much, like, when I'm in, like, my feminine mode, it's, like, no matter how much, like, I am kind of, like, postulating myself as, like, the one to be acted upon, I always Mm -hmm. know that I'm, like, pulling the strings. Like, I'm setting the stage. What do they say? Bottoming from the top or topping from the bottom? That's yeah. what it is. <laughs> like, it's like, I, I, I will let you think that's the thing. Like, I will let you think that you're running the show, but we both know that it's, it's all me. And if I, if I stop playing in this, it's over. But as I long as, bad as, long for as the guys who like are probably hearing this and are just like seething, like, <laughs> just, like <laughs> so disappointed that like, this is actually how women think. But yeah, if you buy into it and you just accept it and you don't make a big stink about it, you're going to get what you want. Yeah, exactly. And I wish, I wish these, like the one thing that's like driving me insane with feminist discourse is that it's pretty much n- like right now in the past couple of months, it's like exclusively about like rape culture and sexual assault. And that's, that's 100% of the conversation. And mm-hmm. it just, it just drives me crazy because, you know, all these girls are 
denying their autonomy, denying their power, denying their desire. Um, they're, they're, they're denying all the things about themselves that make being a woman so uh, powerful and inspiring. And um, so they'll, they'll say, you know, I, I went over to this guy's house and we started drinking, we had a couple drinks and I didn't want to have sex with him, but I said yes. And I never told him that I didn't want to. Um, and then like six months later, they're posting on Instagram about how they were assaulted. Um, and it's like, well, you probably did feel violated, but there's like a certain, you had all this power and it's, it's fully up to you to execute it, to use it. And maybe the guy should have, well, it depends. Well, it really depends. Like if you're not communicating that to him, how would he know that you don't want to? And, um, but all these circumstances where these women feel like they're at risk or worry that they could be at risk. And instead of using the power, the authority that they do have in that circumstance, um, they, they just succumb to whatever anybody else wants. And that's not, that's, of course, you're going to feel like shit after that. Um, because you're not, you're not standing up for yourself at all. And that's that's the biggest frustration for me is that these women completely completely lay down their ability to be responsible for themselves and um you know they talk about how horrible men are but give them all of their power give men everything that they could be using to protect themselves they just give it away yeah because that, that is the ultimate problem of the feminist wave that we've been seized by in like the last seven years is that all of the acrobatics to make women out as history's great victim, which has, you know, often been true, but to willfully submit to that and accept it and to ask for pity is to immediately place all the power in men's hands. Yeah. And to deceive yourself into thinking that because you're a woman, you don't, you don't have any authority, um, which is, we, it's just not true. And it's, it really, like I said, it really, really just breaks my heart to see all these girls who see themselves as, you know, for the rest of their life, all they're going to be is um, prey for um, men who, who, who all they want to do is abuse them. And like, that's not the reality. Like, that's just not, that's not the way the world actually is. Like, of course, of course, uh, women are sexually assaulted at a, at a, uh, at, at any rate is higher than it ever should be and that's obviously oh, yeah. just it's obviously horrible and um i'd never wish that on anybody it's a terrible thing to have to go through um but on the other hand the the rate at which i'm seeing all this conversation about it it's like something's something's off here This is truly a very special episode of I'm So Popular because usually I pick the art and then force whoever I want to engage in it with me. But instead, I have led 
all of the curatorial duties over to you, and you've picked amazing stuff. Uh, we're about so to both much. light up a cig and get into it. Yes. <laughs> Cigarettes and wine and women. The three greatest things on earth. Oh, God. I, I haven't really had that. I don't drink that much wine. I, um, oh. No, either. No, I, I don't. Uh, I I bought white wine because I thought it would be milder for the the time of the day. Um, but my, my go-to is usually red wine. But I haven't, I don't remember the last time I had a glass of wine, to be honest. I drink so much tequila. I'm definitely a cocktail girl. I just, I fucking love a tequila sunrise. I don't know what it is. It's just it's like what <laughs> I want when I go to the bar. <laughs> The, my, my go-to is a gin and tonic all the time. I feel like an old woman and I feel sophisticated and I love it. But it's just my, it's, I always want one. All my, all the girls I know in my real life who like can drink and can hang all drink gin tonics. It's such an easily sippable drink. Like it doesn't get you trashed after the second one. It takes a few to get there. Uh, which mm-hmm. is nice because I don't I don't like to be drunk. Um, I don't. I also don't remember the last time I was drunk. Um, I just like to have a sophisticated little young young woman drink. Meanwhile, I like to throw it. myself into complete like chaos, and I like to just like see what kind of monster I can make out of myself. With alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> this is the difference. Well, what between am I going to turn into women. tonight? <laughs> Oh, God. I have work tomorrow, so we're going to be that kind of monster. It's going to manifest at work tomorrow. And it's the... They're going to love it. It's the haunted banshee. It's like it's like a really tall, skinny, like, frail old woman who is, like, possessed by her dead daughter's ghost. Her eyes are always stretched. Like, she's, like, in a state of panic all the time. Speaking of alcohol and drinking, uh, the first of our few pieces of art tonight is jesse wears what's your pleasure which i was elated when you recommended because i have been obsessed with this album since it came out last year and you identified it as one of the few pieces of recent music that is truly emblematic of the female experience and i want to hear why well the so just pretty much i have a thing for the 70s like a lot of people do but specifically because of the way um the way women um approached sexiness and um like they had they all had that softness and um softness but they were really sure of themselves and that that quiet sexuality that i like um Mm -hmm. and this album didn't come out in the 70s but it has that late disco sound um and she jesse ware inhabits all of those uh lyrically and in like a couple of the music videos just that style and swagger of being a, a a woman in the 70s who loves her man and loves how sexy sexy she is and she's gonna invite you over but like beg you to stay and it's like this all that like push and pull dynamic between men and women that people are always talking about like the nature of seduction um it's really evident on this album on top of just being musically very just beautiful beautiful work of art um but it still has all that um that womanly essence that I like that I don't see very much in um, modern music. Um, Yeah. And I think that this album is pretty fascinating for it coming out in like the, 
midst of kind of like the disco revival craze that's been going on for about like the last two years or so like there is that Dua Lipa album, the Kylie Mac- yeah. Minogue one. Like, yeah. uh, right now, it's like very in to be referencing disco. However, mm-hmm. I find like on that like Dua Lipa record, it's like very calculated and unemotional, and right. the way that she sings about like love and men is like like in that placated like current feminist wave, yeah, sort of mindset where it's like I don't actually get any femininity or like woman out of that record from her i get like girl boss yes yeah which is not my vibe at all (laughs) no no yeah like the last thing i need is someone like telling me like how much i'm slaying like i already know Um, if i I, I need to hear that i will listen to rupaul for real (laughs) like i already know you don't have to remind me what i want to sing along to and and listen to is a girl who feels uh sexy and she finds her man sexy and uh she doesn't she wants him and she makes it clear and she you know she approaches and she she begs for him to come closer and like that 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 dynamic that makes um that makes um a sexual intimate dynamic like that that's what makes it work that's what makes it happen that's what i like to hear um yeah this album is like really based actually like on um uh, Mirage, I think the song is Mirage Don't Stop is the, is yeah. the title. It's yeah, like my she, favorite one. It's my favorite too. And she yeah. literally sings like, I want you to do whatever you want to me. Like, I want you to do anything to me. Yeah, anything you want. Just just take me. Yeah, and, and meanwhile, it's like every other female artist that like is making pop music is like, I'm going to step on your balls. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, that's fine. But I don't, I mean... I don't want to listen to that. It's just yeah, like it's like WAP. It's like a song that I oh was really God. thrilled about when it came out. Like I, because a fun cultural pop moment. Like I thought it was like kind of amusing, but like that kind of energy is like so obvious. Like since like Beyonce did her self-titled album, it's like that's all we've had. And so to hear like Jesse Ware just like stand there like looking kind of vulnerable with her eyes yeah. at you, being like, "Do whatever you want to me." That sits with my feelings. That's like that to me. That's that's way sexier. Well, yeah, it's way sexier than singing about your wet ass pussy. Like, I guess, I guess, <laughs> I, I guess that's hot, but in the, like a a kind of gross way. Like, yeah, it's, it's like, the Trisha Paytas effect. Yeah, it's too it's too on the nose, and that's that's kind of why I like. Well, yeah, that's why I like the mystery of of woman like the sort of, you know, I, I'm going to make it clear to you what I want, but I'm not going to say it in the most literal terms that I can manage because I want you to read in between the lines and I want you to pick up what I'm putting down. And this out, and like, I was talking to my, my brother on the phone um, a few weeks ago and we were talking about how so much modern music is so like, um, you know, I love you and I, I want to be with you, but you broke my heart and I don't care. And so I'm just going to go to the club and find another one and take him home tonight. And that's not what int- intimacy feels like. Like if you're really like feeling somebody for real and um, they leave or you want more of them, it's like that desperation is like, you can't help yourself. And um, that emotional quality uh, that romantic quality in music, I don't, I don't hear it very often, and that's why hearing Jessie Ware, you know, on top of her gorgeous voice, just these songs about 
you know, I, I want you and come get me. And I, I love it. It's, it's so sexy and, and sentimental and emotional. And it, it's, it's, it's way more real than talking about how, you know, like eat my pussy with the panties on. Like, I don't want to hear that. I don't. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> no. And it's like, I, I do find like, um, that is the, the quality that makes this record so appealing. And I, I do also like love like the camp of like women being like I'm gonna kick you in the balls and spit on you and like that's yeah, fun but it, is. it isn't intimate as you're saying and I I think uh, the way a lot of femininity is defined is like by the relation to the masculine which is funny because that tweet has been going around recently or like that article it's like how do I define my gender identity like without people watching me and like everyone's kind of clowning on it but I honestly think it's true it's like you Mm -hmm. do learn your gender from other people recognizing it and like interacting with it that way and yeah like so much of the gorgeous like sublime like emotional woman on this album like I I think of like soul control is like yeah where you feel like your heart and your soul being like moved by the opposite like against you yeah yeah exactly and um I think I think that if I, I don't know I think that if a lot of women kind of I think they're, it's so strange. They're afraid to be seen as weak. Um, And so that's why all these girls are like, oh yeah, I love WAP because it's so empowering and guys can talk about women like this, but we can't talk about ourselves and we can't talk about, well, you know, it's like, well, you, you can talk about yourself in those terms, but do you, do you have to do it? Like, isn't there another place that that same sort of, um, you could express that desire um, differently and it may be, may be more impactful. Like there's a lot of power in vulnerability, um, opening yourself up to other people and experiences and things. You have to be kind of strong within yourself to be able to do that. And but it's a special kind of vulnerability that's not practiced either because so yeah. much pop music discourse is about vulnerability, but it's in a different way where it's like, you serve your whole being up to be like picked at and like revealing all of your quote traumas unquote and you know oh, talking God. about it's like the Kesha effect of like everyone having to hear about Dr. Loop like getting yeah. into your panties which yeah. didn't happen but um <laughs> <laughs> but like everyone wants like that kind of vulnerability of it's like I was raped like that's how I'm vulnerable is by I'm gonna tell you literally every single thing you've never wanted to hear about me yeah it's like literally Lady like... Gaga being like I'm anorexic and raped like this is why my music's <gasps> important but the vulnerability I care about is being like my heart is a warbling force that can be injured by any man I offer it to yeah and and I'm ready for that and I'm and I'm open to that and I I welcome that actually and you know that sort of like confessionalism thing that women are into now I just totally disgusted by it I, I I I despise it because it's like um sure you can tell your whole story yeah you can um but you're it kind of in the process of doing that you definitely lose more power than you think that you're gaining because it is a pity thing it is a sympathy thing and i um you know 
I'm a black woman and um, all these people want to feel bad for me because of those two facts. Uh, but I don't, I don't feel bad for myself at all. Like I, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm kind of the shit. And, and I, I, I hate when girls feel like they have to put their whole story on display in order to feel like they've got any, um, any, any piece of the pie, you know, like, I have to tell you every way in which I've been slighted um, or felt insecure within myself in order for you to take me seriously. And I end up taking those women less seriously as a result. Um, mm -hmm. Because, and then this goes back, back to the mystery thing a little bit more, is that um, one thing that has done wonders for me in like dating is, is, not, is not telling the guy or anybody else everything that they want to hear uh everything that i could tell them um you you have to unlock that um mm -hmm. as a woman you have to as a woman i feel like i want other people to let's see how let's see how close i'm gonna let you get to me and then i'll share all the stuff that makes me mysterious and um um what's the word mysterious works i'll find the other one later but you know <laughs> <laughs> all these you could put everything on the table like fka twigs going in l magazine and talking about oh, how shy on the both of like i don't like i don't first of all if you're gonna do that i don't think you need to be the cover story but also why do you why do you need to do it at all like there's it's just and she's like i'm trying to empower myself so that other victims can like survivors i guess is, is the phrase that they want to use and like they can step up and like do the same thing but it's like i can tell you like no working class woman who like is getting like battered by their husband is going to be inspired by like FKA no she's twins. not she's not like a lot of those like working class women um who are going through that sort of thing it, from the ones that i've met it seems like the the real power just comes from reclaiming their life not like telling everybody who will listen um, the details of yeah, because most every same people don't want to have to like relive their rape over right. and over again, and, right? Like, their abuse on camera, and I fe and it feels weird to me because I was always raised um, with an air of discretion. Like you just don't. My parents always raised me. You just don't tell everybody everything um, because people are going to people will use whatever they can use against you. Um, they they will, and also not everybody deserves access to your life. And um, I, my line of thinking is that, you know, if you, if you are a woman who's sexually assaulted, you definitely should tell people, but people who are close to you and not your like 3000 Instagram followers, most of which have never met you before. Mm -hmm. Like there's some, it feels very, um, it's kind of gross, <laughs> gross to me. No, um, I think it is too. And surprisingly, it, it all goes back to what's your pleasure because Instead of going into, you know, all of these, like, minute, like, details about whatever's happening to her, like, the precise specifics of, like, why she feels like she does on this album, if you just, like, listen to the title track from it, most of the music is just, like, speaking for itself, and it's, like, her quiet voice that's, like, yeah. very suggestive, and then, like, it's 35 seconds of the production. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so yeah vulnerable and 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 open and uh but without yeah without revealing very much at all you don't know the details of like 
oh, was she at the club? And then they cross, they, they, their eyes locked and then they, they dance three, four songs. Get, like, she's not telling the whole story. She's letting you um, fill in the blanks. And um, I don't know, I, a, a lot of my relationship with being a woman is um, being more reserved about, being more reserved about who I truly am and also um, amplifying what I do want people to see of me, like turning my personality up even more um, and to, to draw people in and keep them at bay at the same time. Um, you know, you don't really know me, but you think you do. and I. I like, I like that sort of tension that I've, they may not feel it, maybe they do, but I get to feel more empowered in control because, well, because I've chosen to construct my own story. Um, you know, I could, I could go online and talk about all the, the horrible things that men have done to me and that other people have done to me, but that's not, that's not the story I want to convey. That's not who I want anybody to believe that I am. I don't believe that I am like a victim of whatever's happened to me. I'm not, I, you know, it's happened and thank God I grew from it and learned from it um, and became more of a woman in the face of that circumstance. Um, yeah. Cause I, I mean, know. that's where, that's where all like interesting identity and like narrative comes from is like in those like hardships and like in mm -hmm. those like sublime emotional moments but it really sort of depends on if it's going to end up being something of value is if you're going to regurgitate it as like pop media or if you're going to use it in an emotional way that is less opaque and much more yeah i yeah it's it's hard to to state the exact like nature of how one does it but like that's i honestly think like what's the point of like music like what's your pleasure is it's like it's that really small sublime moment where you can't like put your finger exactly on like why it's moving you but right. you feel it and being instructed specifically by the storyline and plot details of your trauma is like not the way to do it it's like no. listing out like the feelings about it and like in these like ways that become more universal and thus like when yeah someone hears it like i listened to like in your eyes and i like see the first time this bisexual guy I was dating came on my face <laughs> yeah like it's like i it just takes me back to like this 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 time that i that i don't i actually don't want to share with anybody or like some some intimate moment that maybe was defining in my life or just puts me in some emotional um state that you know you know a song like WAP is not going to accomplish um <laughs> it, it just anything like soulful and 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 slow and intimate and like groovy like I like a lot of like 70s and 80s R&B lately because all of that music gets right right to that like immediately it's it's so passionate and honest and then like the singer's voices like Shaka Khan and Anita Baker and Sade like yeah. their voices are just their their voices are pure emotion like that's all that's coming out of them and, and that's exactly what's missing from the horrible disco revival that's going yeah. on now that <laughs> yeah people are over singing like the the way they do it is like this like really phoned in like faux garbage where it sounds like nothing they're singing about nothing there's 
just like a generic like disco production behind it and like a video with a filter on it but like actual disco is all about like where it was being played like in the 70s and like the mm-hmm. early 80s was like when you were at the club having like this gorgeous intimate moment with like yeah the other gay men around you for instance and like feeling like the all of your emotions are being taken over and like put mm-hmm. into the song and like it makes like that environment and none of the stupid disco revival stuff from like Kylie McNogue or like fucking Dua yeah. Lipa like all of it is garbage and especially in comparison to this Jessie Ware album where she actually like turns that feeling like back to where it was supposed to be in the first place yeah and it's just I I'd rather be it's it's really interesting to me because I'm still trying to formulate the precise words to describe my womanhood. But I think, you know, I always grew up really sensitive and emotional and moody. And um, I used to find that to be a a negative because I was always getting in trouble for being that way. Uh, But as I get older, I realize that's kind of, that's kind of the the, the juice of life that, uh, that uh, sensitivity and passion. And those are the things that, navigate me through life that make life um exciting is feeling things and feeling them like deep and hard and and in a way that i'll never forget them and feeling that softness is what empowers me to to be um strong in my interactions to see myself like a bad bitch it's like because i i can feel all this intensity and emotion and I can still uh, at the end of the day um, feel in control in charge because I let myself be open to life and other people and being approached by men and it doesn't hurt my feelings it just it 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 makes me more open and being able to um, put that in its proper place and not feel afraid of that sensitivity um gives me a lot of a lot of attitude and 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 excitement toward my life um because i don't have to run from how i feel i don't have to run from the reality of my life and i think that's what a lot that's what a lot of women do they're so afraid of um they're so afraid of their own softness that instead of taking charge over it or being responsible for it um they place the blame on men for exploiting it and it's like well you know like i said everybody has to be you're you're in control of yourself at the end of the day um regardless of any patriarchal things that are wrong or any misogyny or whatever you're at the end of the day still you're your own boss nobody's going to handle your shit but you and if you can't handle it uh, i don't know what to tell you
der Rüttlerverdichtung, die zur Herstellung des hochwertigen Betons erforderlich ist, soll der BZF I have never seen this movie, but following your beautiful recommendations, I watched Fassbender's Martha from 1974, mm -hmm. made for TV, German movie, and I've seen Fox and His Friends and a few other from him before, but I especially loved this movie. How did you get exposed to it? Well, um the red scare ladies were talking about Fossbender a lot i think I, I think they mentioned specifically a, a scene from martha on one of their episodes and um it stuck with me one night i was just after work i was bored i wanted to watch something so i tried it out um and was really blown away by the movie um and i don't i think it was my i think it was the first Fossbender movie i watched this was like six months ago or so. Um, and uh, I just, I just, I just found it beautiful and so tragic and um, almost empowering in a way in a like a twisted, dark way. Um, and um, I just love, I, I just love the, the dynamic that Martha has with her husband. Um, and the sense that, you know, she's She's being abused and she knows it, but she um, welcomes it. Um, and I, I found that very interesting and, and almost romantic, of course, in a dark way. Um, but her... Oh, yeah, there's there's no way to talk about this movie and pretend that the like abusive relationship is not extremely glamorous. And, of course, yeah. that's like something that no one wants to say about a movie Uh featuring like graphic abuse throughout its yeah. runtime but like there's no doubt that Fassbender who is also like a raging like crazy misogynist who <laughs> I love dearly was like yeah. not getting off on like a this like beautiful virginal figure like getting her whole life upended over and over again scene after scene yeah it, it's just go ahead Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, the movie is about a um, young woman, <laughs> young by the age of 31, yeah. a uh, virgin librarian whose father dies. Her whole female family is, like, sent into cardiac arrest, and uh, she is taken away by uh, her sudden erotic affection for a uh, suitor. They get married. The relationship is nothing but hell, and she keeps trying to escape, going back, changing her mind, uh, experiencing major emotion about it, and it ends in grotesque tragedy. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's, um, I, I just found it very interesting. Like, my favorite scene probably is, um, like, right after her father dies, she has to go to, um, like, the German embassy, because they're in Rome, and she cross, she crosses paths with the man who will soon be her husband and abuser and they look at each other for a few seconds and the like the cameras circle around them and i remember being really um excited by that scene because all that you know um seduction sort of dynamic that happens between men and women all of that happened in that instant um, when they first looked at each other, they didn't say anything to each other. But all of that happened because he like recognized her as, I'm gonna victimize this girl. And she recognized <laughs> she recognized him as 
um, I'm gonna I'm gonna be this man's wife. Like I am. They recognize the um, the sadomasochistic dynamic that they would soon have. They already they uh, they already saw it in that first moment. Yeah, like the whole movie happens in that one scene exactly. Yeah. and that's yeah. why when she uh, is uh, getting like flirted with by like the like the hot like brunette twink in the library. Yeah, and she's like able to look him dead in the eye and say, "That is the man who's going to be my husband." Yeah. And it's so, it's so, um, you know, her dad dies and her dad is, was never affectionate. He is like about to have a heart attack walking up a, a flight of steps and she's trying to support his body and she, he refuses to let her touch him. And it's just, you know, indicative of how, of how deprived of male affection she is, but she also doesn't know how to, um, accept the affections of a man that are actually positive. Um, like the, I guess the guy, the, the, her boss at the library proposes marriage and she's like, no, she's like, absolutely not. I got a lot going on. Um, and he's probably seemed like probably was a, was a good match. He probably wasn't going to beat the hell out of her. Um, <laughs> but she didn't want that. Um, she was drawn to that same sort of um, exacerbated example of who her father was. Um, that's who she wanted, um, which is really, uh, well, telling, of course. Like, you know, she she wanted that security. She wanted that sense that her father was around and able to give her that affection, but he wasn't. And Helmut ended up being the next the next best thing. Yeah, and I mean, she already has, like, that perverse relationship with her father as well, where it almost, like, seems kind of sexual, where he's, like, telling her, like, I don't want you to touch me so much, like, in his, like, dying words to her, let go of me. That's the last thing he says to her. (laughs) Like, let go of me, Marta. Stop touching me, bitch. (laughs) Yeah, the, the entire movie is, like, focally centered on the fact that, like, she cannot, like, let go of men and is constantly yeah. having to reconfigure her relationships with with them because she is uh either like so reliant on them or like so erotically driven by that like relationship and it, it especially makes sense and i love that like fast doesn't make this like the focal point or like the the crux of the movie but it's like so obviously like this kardashian-esque family where it's just like too many women mm-hmm and it's like yeah. they, they are the hormones are like overdriving yeah. like yeah. they're and all of the the sisters are fucked up as well. Yes, they are. Yeah, like, they're they everybody in that family is a complete train wreck. The the mom is the mom is probably my favorite character cuz she's the most like to me of everybody in the movie. She's the most like plainly fucked up, like not trying to hide it at all. Um, you know, like drawing uh devil horns and mustaches on her very recently deceased husband's photographs and yeah <laughs> uh, just like and martha's of of course more martha wants a man who's going to treat her the same way that her parents treated her because that's the only way she's ever been able to interpret love at all and she knows that it, she's like 30 years old she knows it's wrong she knows it's fucked up but her she loves being um victimized she loves that abuse you know there's that scene where 
where um, after they get married, they go on vacation to the Italian coast and he doesn't want her to put on suntan lotion. So she gets uh, Oh my God, I have been waiting oh. to talk about this since I saw it. And I can't, th- th- I can't. Like the, the scene is so <laughs> brutal. Because it's horrible. <laughs> he lets her get sunburnt. And he wants you know, her to get sunburnt. Yeah, he says, "Go, I want you to be brown for me. <laughs> so she goes and like sits in the sun. And then it's just like, cuts to her like a lobster in the bed yeah the most graphic shot of the scene is just him dragging his hand across her sunburnt stomach digging his nails into her side yeah yeah and then of course like he uh fucks her and yeah like the pretense for it is like so unnerving and repulsive and like physically painful to witness yeah it's like the fact that it goes back to her, like, just being peachy, like, pearl clean in the car and, like, continually bending on his knee as, like, he uh, decides to uproot her from the house and, like, force yeah. him, like, <laughs> into their world. It's, like, yeah, you see the complete violence of it in such detail that, like, it only makes her disastrous relationship with men more true. Right. And it's, like, it's, I guess the... I guess the romantic aspect of it is comes into play because it's very clear that she wants it. Like she is constantly battling with herself about what she should do. Um, you know, she invites her friend or I don't, I'm not sure who that blonde character is that she goes on the boat with. Um, oh, I think it's her sister. Yeah. Yes. She uh, goes out with her and is like telling her about the things that her husband is doing. Um, but continues to make excuses for for his behavior, um, you know, saying oh, that yeah. oh he oh I yes he loves me more than anybody could love me in the world, and that's what she's like addicted to. She's addicted to the idea of being loved, and she she doesn't know what truly to expect from that emotion because she's never really felt it before um and she knows she's being abused she knows it's only gonna get worse and worse uh she knows that even though he says he's not gonna kill her cat that yes he is going to kill the cat um and but she stays because she on some existential level needs him like she can't she can't see a way without him and that's that's what i when i think about like the autonomy that women have in less severe circumstances where like a guy that let's say this girl is like at a club and this guy is hitting on her and she's not interested and she that's an an opportunity for her to reject him and exercise her authority like like back back up off me um you know like get away from me sort of thing and um in this circumstance in martha she it's you know considerably more severe circumstance but she's given like every way out yes she she truly is but she chooses to use her autonomy to stay like she 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 is you like what what scene there's some scene where he well he's away on work business for most of the time that they're married and yeah. she has every opportunity to pick up and do, maybe she could just go back to Rome. She could go anywhere and get away from him. But she uses her authority over her own life to um, stay because she needs she needs his abuse. Right. On- and I mean, 
it, it gets to the point where he's been gone for so long and is like intentionally ignoring her and like cuts the phone lines, like has yeah. to come to dis- disable the phone because um, he is giving her every opportunity to leave and she is turned into this like willowing, disastrous makeup smeared monster. Yeah, she looks and terrible. I she love it. Awful, I love wretched. that scene. <laughs> I know she like she looks like she's just like dragged through the dirt and like yeah, she wants it at the end of the day. Yes, like, you you can say when you're talking about this movie that it's like um commenting on a larger culture or something or not, but like whether you want to believe that this is a a will that exists in in women mm-hmm. it's like the the point of the matter is that the movie never like disables her from being powerful or ever like right. says that like she's weak and like inferior to him it is constantly giving her the agency and capacity to do yeah. something about it and just, like showing that her bizarre femininity is like what has trapped her into it yeah and she there's that scene that um she he goes away on another business trip and he gives her a book about whatever he does for work civil Just like some math it's like some like some like math boring, thing. yeah like boring ass shit like i'd never be able to get a get through a book like that but she uh is so committed to um to making him yeah, she's so committed. She reads the whole book, and when he gets back home, she recites half of it, and he's so turned on by the fact that she's being obedient and subservient. She's like, I have to fuck you right now because you're you're my bitch now. Like, you're doing everything I, I, I told you to do, and she loves it. She, she, she wants to be up under his thumb no matter how crazy and deranged she becomes. Uh, she feels like she's somebody now because um, this man has control over her. And she gave it to him. Um, and it's still, it's funny that it's still more empowering than a lot of millennial girls who, um, you know, they they talk about some ambiguous circumstance where she said, like a, a girl will say that this guy uh, had complete control over her and power dynamics and blah, blah, blah. But Martha has her own power dynamic that's more, um, meaningful like she she takes responsibility in so many words for where yeah, she's at she is constantly making him into the image that she wants to be which yeah. is like, a, uh, like the delusian um uh idea of sadomasochism and specifically masochism is that like any masochist like when they enter a contract with a sadist it's like they are very responsible for creating the sadist and the image they want them to be yeah and so she's constantly like giving him like these avenues for him to act like that and like the cat is like this ominous figure when it appears on the stairs and you know something is wrong and yeah. it feels like witchy and evil yeah and you realize that she didn't get the cat because she wanted a baby or like because she like had like some drive for it. it's because she wanted the cat to be a symbol of her disobedience and then to be punished for it yeah she wanted she knew what was coming that's why she got the cat because she wanted she wanted that you know that abuse of you know opening the bedroom door and finding the cat on the ground um and knowing that he's going to um, kill the animal, um, sorry, spoilers, but knowing oh, that God, he's no go- <laughs> spoilers, and I'm so popular, please. <laughs> knowing that he's going to um, 
behave the way that he did um, was enticing to her because she she wants um, she wants to feel victimized that by him because that's yes because she wants because that's love to her and uh, she keeps choosing that demented uh, form of love or an affection um, because that's the dynamic that works. Like she she seems a little dumb. Like in 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 <laughs> the movie, yeah. yeah, she is, and completely like, super easy type of woman to manipulate. And like the most like I guess gross scene to me is uh, like right after they start quote unquote dating, he takes her to an amusement park. They go on a roller coaster, and she's like terrified to go on this ride. She's like, I know I'm going to be sick after this ride. I don't want to do it. He's like, no, I'll be right there with you. They get off the ride and she's puking and like looking disgusting and terrified. And he's like, I want to marry you. And she's like, hell yes. Like, yes, you just put me through all this abuse. You made me embarrass myself by vomiting in front of you. I'm like petrified. I peed my pants a little bit. I'm completely humiliated. And yes, I will marry you. Yeah, and the camera rises to show all of the amusement park and, like, features, like, all of, like, the sound of, like, every single ride and every single person chatting, and it's, like, the ultimate death sentence on the movie. Yeah. Love it. And it all makes sense in the end when she finally has, like, her literally hysteric breakdown because she (laughs) isn't, like, when she, like, runs away into the cowls and, like, Mm -hmm. like... And she keeps, like, running back, and then, like, running back into the cow, yeah. and then, like, running to the man, and, like, screaming, and, like... Yeah, and it's, he like, slaps almost... the shit out of her. <laughs> and it's almost funny, because, like, she just keeps screaming at, like, this, like, decibel breaking volume. Yeah. And, like, nothing, and it's, like, she's not panicking, because she's actually afraid that he's gonna kill her. She's horrified about the fact that she's finally recognized what she wants to be. Yeah, and she, she doesn't really want to be that, because she's still... You know, the reason she keeps going back and forth is like that that conflict within her, like, um, you know, I want this man to keep loving me in his way, but I can't, I also can't keep living my life like this. And like having like a full blown existential crisis running through this field of cows. And um, she, it seems like, I guess she finally does come to term come to terms with um the way that things are but there's still this like once the movie ends yeah, i remember last like permanently paralyzed before she could just accept before that this is what she yes wanted. yes yes and I, I don't i don't know there's something about that sort of i think it's just the fact that she's very clearly making her own decision is what makes the um movie romantic to me because it is like the first time i watched it um I remember seeing that that scene where like after he disconnects the phone and she's in the house by herself for a week and all her makeup's running down her face and she just looks like sickly and nasty. Uh, I remember thinking that she looked beautiful because she um, had tormented herself. So like he wasn't even there. Um, he had tormented, she had tormented herself so deeply um, with this desire, with this choice to be a victim. Um, in a circumstance where she clearly had outs, um, but she chose this for herself. And um, there's almost a, anytime she got something right by him, um, she was so proud of herself, um, which um, reinforced her, you know, 
good decision-making as an obedient wife. And um, however tragic the whole story was, I found it um, beautiful that, you know, she's like, I'm choosing my own destiny and my destiny actually sucks, but it's my choice. <laughs> I'm not really a fashion person, I would say, despite mm -hmm. being, like, a drag queen and, like, having <laughs> to curate, like, my style. It's, like, I wear a lot of stuff from Zara. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I, I, I definitely know how I'm putting on, like, a full image, but, like, when it comes to, like, the piece-by-piece piece, construction of my femininity, it's, like, very could-be ridiculed by anyone with any knowledge of fashion immediately but I always <laughs> have had like a sort of appreciation and attachment for um like that old guard of like a 90s designers who mm -hmm. did these enormous like statement pieces and my boyfriend's love of Vivian Westwood has like made me kind of yes. interested in like some of the older stuff that she was up to and so when you recommended Alexander McQueen's Highland rape as one of your uh, top experiences of femininity. Mm -hmm. I was really excited to watch that runway, and it was a physically moving experience. It's like, truly it was powerful. It's I feel it in my bones, like still, like it's so, it's so beautiful and impactful. I loved it. So um, can you kind of explain exactly what it is, like in yes. short, for anyone who may not know? Yeah, so um, the Highland Rape Collection is just the Alexander McQueen runway collection. And the runway is all, um, it's dark and there's a bunch of like grass and debris strewn across the runway. And um, all these girls are so sexy, like, like insanely like sexy. And like the clothes are, um, a lot of them are, are, are literally more like they're more sheer and, and soft and things, but others of them are, are, are torn and um, a little too revealing. And it feels, yeah, you get the sense that these girls were like abused or taken advantage of, but the way that they walk on the runway is so uh, fierce and powerful um, that the, the things that are being suggested by the clothes that they're wearing, um, it's like the duality of the two. It, it makes it so powerful that, you know, their their clothes are ripped at the crotch or like right across the breast, their nipples are exposed. But the way that they're strutting down this runway is so like fierce and undeniable. It's just, it's, it's so powerful. It's like the essence of woman for me. 
Yeah. Alexander McQueen said that he kind of was inspired by, like, the English, like, colonization of Scotland and what have you, as well as, like, the uh, abuse of his sister. And you would imagine that most people kind of commenting on, like, imperial rape or, like, on, like, the abuse of a family member would do it in this, like, really mournful and tragic Mm -hmm. way. And there's definitely, like, sad elements here. Like, the huge violet wash behind them and like the torn up um like runway full of like Mm -hmm. whacked up weeds and shit like there's definitely like an apocalyptic and tragic element to it but then it's populated like you said with like these runway models who are doing everything you would never imagine a runway model to do with the most expressive walks i've ever seen and truly yes yes like, half of the, the story of what happens in Highland Rape is, like, just in each model, like, taking her turn on that runway. And, like, some of them will go up. They'll go back. They'll go up three more times. The way yeah. they interact with each other and are, like, violently posed with each other. It's shocking. Yes. It's, it's, it's gorgeous because it's, like, I, I think a lot of, um, this goes back to what I was saying about, like, one of my favorite things about being a woman is having a certain um, attitude, like having a lot of attitude and, and, and spunk and personality. Um, I think that it's essential, to, like as a woman, that it's essential to find your niche within that um, and to own it all the time, nonstop. And um, that's one of the things about this Highland Rape show is that um, these girls are walking like, they're the only thing in this world that matters. Like, I don't care what the girl before me was wearing and how good she looked and like her whole ass and tits were out and she looked awesome, but I'm gonna wear this gown that covers me literally head to toe. You can't see any of my skin or whatever. Um, and I'm, I'm the baddest bitch up in here. And they're all, they're all walking like that. And um, my favorite girl in the show it seems like it seems like he probably instructed um, about half the girls that every time they walk out on this on stage that they are pr- to perform in this way. And mm-hmm. um, my favorite was this girl who's walking around like she's drunk. Um, oh, oh my god! He, I knew you were gonna say her because I yeah, felt the exact same love way. Love her. She, she looks like she's been roofied. Yes. Yeah. Um, but she looks so fierce, <laughs> stumbling around on that runway, uh, wearing like I. He does all these skirts where there's this little, um, like, little chain and then a cross at the end of it. Yeah. And it's coming straight from their vagina, like, right from the crotch area. Um, and I th- there's something about that. It's just so um, nasty and, like, chic. And, you know, all these girls who are um, – the imagery – clearly suggests abuse and they've been violated or that um they are ready to be violated because their clothing is so revealing but Mm -hmm. they're still like that um the way that they walk and present themselves and just just the faces of these girls like their faces are so strong and beautiful and striking um they would be if i ever saw any girl on the street who looked like that i would never talk to her because she's so uh, intimidating and sure of oh, herself. Oh yeah, like if you meet one of these women on the street, like she wins, it's over. She's there's no point in talking to her about anything at all because she's already she she's five eleven, in heels. She's already the winner. <laughs> and, 
it's just like this and the clothes are also um tailored that's like the big alexander mcqueen thing like the, he's like the king of tailoring um everything is tailored so beautifully and it hugs their bodies just right um it's so um it's all the clothing is, is very like form-fitting and flattering um so these girls can look feminine they all look feminine and beautiful still um but there's still that like you know don't fuck with me thing that they're yeah or i mean it, it could even be like a fuck with me thing like yeah it's my my big takeaway from watching the runway presentation is that like there's a lot of different like ideas about femininity in each of like the walks where like we said there's like the the girl who looks drunk there's a girl who goes out three times like there's the girl who like won't look at like any camera like they all have like these different sort of essences about femininity and like each of them have like this like niche about them but they all have like something that is like battered and like empowered and Mm -hmm. takes like all of this like violence and like turns it into woman and i find yes. like, that's that's what's interesting and like of course like so much media now is like trying to do the same thing i was just shitting on promising young women a few weeks ago but it's <laughs> like everybody wants to do like oh i was hurt and here's my revenge but just in like the way they express and like we'll get into like the the specific like design of the clothes here in a second but like the the tailoring like you said it makes it so that it's not just like a rape and revenge kind of thing it is way more complicated and like primordial and ancestral than Mm -hmm. that yeah it's it's um it's really like (laughs) existentially feeling yourself like oh god yeah and i mean like the the fucking chimes of that like religious bell in the background like going on top of the house music like it's just signaling to you that you're gonna die yeah and um, in spite of all the um, the creepiness and the bad vibes, like these girls are just like, I, I don't give a shit. I'm here to strut my stuff. I'm here to show you how hot and powerful I am. And um, you can do with that what you will, but I'm gonna I'm gonna show you what's up. And I I I, I love that. I love that attitude because I feel like that's that's the attitude I try to inhabit in my life is you know i'm i'm gonna look as good as possible and if you feel bold enough to step to me you can but um no promises on how i'm gonna respond to you because i'm you know i'm a bad bitch i don't have time for all of y'all yeah and any of these women look like they could eat you for real i i would truly if i ever saw any of those girls on the street i would be so scared because because <laughs> They just look so good and proud. Yeah, they and, all look like the models at the end of the Neon Demon after they've like consumed the eye. Oh my god! Yeah, it's just so. Um, it's so. It kind of it really that show, really just defines a lot of what it feels like inside to be a woman because you yeah you do have to um, kind of uh, deal with the fact that men can be abusive and that men sometimes you know don't treat women the way they're they're supposed to be treated whatever like yes you do have to deal with the the reality of whatever traumas or harmful experiences you may feel in your life but if you're a smart person um you turn those 
bad circumstances into something that really feeds who you are like it, it and not in like a oh i'm a victim of rape way in a like no i went through this shit that really sucked um but i'm i feel stronger and more capable and more sure of myself as a result of processing that experience oh yeah because i mean like the the way the runway is structured too like immediately suggested that because it it does really start with like the torn open clothing Mm -hmm. but then like the shape starts to change like halfway through and like the way that like the tit is revealed becomes yes i love that yeah, it becomes, like, much more, like, shape-oriented, and it becomes, mm-hmm. like, the collar where you actually start to begin to see, like, oh, like, this is actually intentional. And then yeah. by the end, like, the kind of, like, plastic materials they mm-hmm. were using, like, in the beginning that were torn up have, like, turned into, like, literal sex armor. Yeah, no, truly. And it's, like, it, my my favorite garment is... um he had like skirts and pants that were like extremely low rise. Like if they were oh, any, Oh, I love it. I love the it. Best. I love those so much. Yeah. And, and she's like going down the runway, like constantly just like pushing them a little more down a little further. Like I, I that specific girl who um, had that like blue skirt and she's like pushing it down a little bit further. Every time she comes out, she's like, She's like my second favorite because she'd like grab her own breasts and squeeze it as she's walking out and like, yeah, pull her clothes down or like, like just something super sexual. And, um, but she's so like, like fierce about it. And like, another thing is like, you know, like, uh, what is it? Sex positivity is like a popular conversation nowadays, but none of these girls actually want to claim their, uh, they, they, they talk about sex positivity and how, oh yeah, we should be able to fuck whoever we want and however many times we want. But, um, none of them actually own it. They say those words, but, uh, they don't, um, they don't live that. That's not like in yeah, their they character. Don't, they, there's a tragedy in it. Like, I mean, yes. I have been in this life for a while. And, like, there is a forlorn darkness to it. And I mm-hmm. really feel like the clothes here, like, get to that point where it's like, yeah. these are like really sexy, like, beautiful garments, but like, they are just. They're, they're tailored honestly like you were saying to make them like really evil at the mm-hmm. end of the day and like yeah. you see like the battered horror that like comes like with yeah. that but at the same time it's like not doing like the tumblr victim thing it's like right turning it into this like yes. sheer emotional force yeah and it's like you know i i may have whatever been roofied and suffered and like uh my and all my boobs might be out because you know some you know, you can make up all your, all these stories about these girls and how they look when they're coming out on the runway. But um, above all, even the ones, even the one that's like stumbling around drunk, it's like, she, she looks good. And she's, she's, she's proud of this. Uh, I don't want to say she's proud of this trauma, but she's proud of herself in spite of those things. Yeah, and... absolutely. Because femininity is about creating an image. Like you said, it's about yes. making the allure and the mystery. And it's like, it's an illusion. Able yes. to... It's an illusion. Yeah, it's about synthesizing what you know to create a mystery. And yeah, this, yes, this is exactly what we've been talking about this whole time. It's like, all of these clothes, these models who in like inhabit them, they suggest a narrative without telling you what actually happened and they synthesize like so much emotion into that one runway walk and all of a sudden woman exists 
Yes. And, and that's the thing that I feel like that's the thing about all of life truly is that, you know, you have, that's what you have to do. You have to pull all these negative experiences, all these things that kind of psychologically like might follow you or trouble you. And you have to like, unless you want to spend your life suffering and feeling like you can't ever accomplish or whatever as a result of that experience you have to turn it into something that makes you feel um powerful and strong and like i can continue in spite of that thing um because i'm at the end of the day i'm still a bad bitch like i it doesn't it doesn't matter what has happened to me or what will happen to me that's who i am yep and there's gonna be some guy out there who still wants to fuck you 